That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. Here's Ken Levine. Thank you for being here. You are really going to be glad that you tuned in this week. Nancy Travis is my guest. Now, Nancy is a terrific actress. You've seen her in like a million things. Uh, she's done a lot of movies, Married to the Mob, Internal Affairs, Three Men and a Baby, yada, yada. Also a lot of TV shows. Uh, most recently, she played Tim Allen's wife in Last Man Standing. And uh, 1995 and 1996, she starred in a show that I co-created with David Isaacs and Robin Schiff called Almost Perfect. Anyway, it's great to finally have Nancy here. We talk a lot about her career, her ups and downs, her acting process, along with some uh, very fun and revealing stories along the way. Nancy Travis, this week on Hollywood and the Fine. Okay, let's start in the beginning. Where'd you grow up? How did you get into acting? Oh, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure, yes. Well, I, uh, I grew up in Framingham, Massachusetts, very suburban lifestyle. Near Boston. Near Boston. Right. Uh, went to public school, high school, did the school plays in school. And uh, it was time to graduate. Could not think of anything else that I was good at and uh, decided to try to pursue a career in acting uh, against my parents' wishes. But <laughs> against all parents' wishes, yes. yes. Right, exactly. And against <laughs> my own. I wouldn't even counsel my own kids to go into it. Uh, but my father said, you can do it. We'll, we'll help pay for school if, uh, if you get a degree. So I went to NYU and I got a degree that is now in a box somewhere completely useless. Uh, but the training served me well and, and I've had a, a good, a good run of it. And so. you started in theater, right? I started in theater. Uh, and you know, it's to even say you start, you just start with whatever job you can get. It just doesn't even, whatever it is. Right. I mean, you could say I started in waitressing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I started in theater, uh, did some plays in New York and, um, commercials actually really started in commercials. That's where I first started to work and get uh -huh. paid. And, uh, and then one thing led to the next. There was no big discovery. I just auditioned for everything. Right. And uh, just started to get hired. Yeah. Okay. I did a whole episode about rejection. Yes, uh, I heard. Uh, it was a, wonderful. A few weeks ago. Um, and we all have them. And I remember you telling me that you got a big break. You got into uh, a, a big movie, The Unbearable... Lightness of being. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and you're, you're in Paris and Phil Kaufman is directing and Daniel Day-Lewis yes. is in it and, and everything. And 
you know, you're on your way to stardom. What happened? Oh, boy. So uh, I think everybody has a I got fired in this business story. And uh, I was I had really very little experience. I was in. A uh, play on Broadway called "I'm Not Rappaport" with oh, uh, Herb Judd Gardner Hirsch, play. Herb Gardner, yeah. Judd Hirsch, Cleavon mm-hmm. Little at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, casting director said, "I'm casting this big movie. Do you want to come in and read for it?" And I remember the audition because there was a lot of nudity in the film. Uh, the audition was me in a bathing suit. <laughs> oh, so, okay. There's the first one. So I have to show up and I have to audition in a bathing suit and I read these scenes with this accent and uh, it, it goes well. I get hired, which is blew my mind. And the next thing I know, I'm in Paris and uh, beginning to rehearse. And right from the get go, I could sense there was a bit of uh, unease about me. And um, uh, I ended up uh, going in, rehearsing with Daniel Day-Lewis. And then one day, the uh, first AD calls me and he says, uh, okay, uh, you don't need to come in today. And I'm saying, staying at the Georges Sank, and I don't even know how to uh-huh. say it, but <laughs> I've been living the life. And I studied Spanish, so that's why. Um, but uh, he says, you don't need to come in today. And uh, I said, well, why? Uh, and already, I'm, I'm, I get breaking get into a cold sweat. Yeah. yeah. And he says, no, 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 you don't need to come in. In fact, uh, the director's going to come and see you. <laughs> and if Uh-oh. that isn't a red flag, I don't know what is. But I'm thinking, okay, so maybe he wants to talk about uh, my intention in this. And uh, I'm waiting and I'm waiting and waiting in the hotel room. And finally, it's not the director that comes, but it is uh, the first AD. And he comes with the producer. And uh, they come to the hotel room and I let them into the room and we're talking about skiing and I don't ski. So uh-huh. <laughs> it's just, it's the weather, it's skiing, it's, and then finally it comes down to, uh, we're afraid you won't be doing the film. And it is one of those sentences that you hear and you're not quite sure what you heard, like, right. like just mm-hmm. today or what? Uh-huh. So, uh, I, I, I finally got it. And, um, I said, I got upset and I said, excuse me, I'm just going to go to the bathroom. And they jumped up. I think they wanted to come with me in case I did something over this <laughs> Suicide <film>. watch yeah. <laughs> because you Suicide lost your watch. role. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so then the next thing I know, I'm on a plane back to L.A. And the funny thing is, is now whenever, whenever, I've been doing this for... 30 years, I don't know. Uh-huh. Whenever somebody says the director wants to talk to you, <laughs> I'm like, am I being fired? What is happening? <laughs> or don't come in today. What? Why? What's happening? <laughs> Never leaves you. Yeah, Never ever leaves flashbacks. you. No, it is so true. Oh my God. So, um, how did you how did you deal with that? Was it was it rough? Were you yeah, able I, to just bounce right no, back? No, I mean I came back home. It was a very high profile movie, and uh, um, I came back. And what auditions that I was able to get? I was living in New York at the time. Right. Uh, people mostly just called me, and they wanted to know what happened, why I was fired, and uh-huh. uh, oh, thank great. you very much. Yeah. And, don't you want me to read for Spencer for hire? Uh-huh. <laughs> Why did you bring me in? Right. Although they did hire me. I have to give them a lot of credit because they hired me after that. And Spencer but, for uh, hire. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But, you know, you walk around with the stain of uh, what what's wrong with her that, that she was fired. But, but you know what? Like I said, we all we all, we all have them. Have them. Yes. And what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right. So, 
And, and ironically, so to tie all this in and our connection together, one of the, the reasons why I was fired, what I was told was uh, the director thought that perhaps I was much better at comedy than drama which I was very offended at. Uh, like, how dare you? How comedy? How dare you? Uh, but ironically, he may have been... I'm on, I don't want to say he was right, but I've had a wonderful career in comedy. So... Yes, you, you go have. Go figure. Yeah, Maybe he was uh, omniscient in Well, your next uh, movie was actually a comedy, although you didn't do that much in it, Three Men and a Baby. It was... Like the second highest grossing movie of 1987. Right. Who knew? Nobody yeah. knew at the time. It so was just, that's great exposure yeah. for you. And you did a British accent. You do a great British Thank accent. Thank you. Uh, ah, yeah. yay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, talk a little British. Uh, Nasia, uh, now that you say that, I'm sure I'll be very, very terrible at it. <laughs> so I don't even want to go there, really. <laughs> Well, um, you did a great job in that movie, and then you moved on to Married to the Mob, which was uh, another very big hit movie. (laughs) Um, And uh, (laughs) now you get killed in that pretty early on. I do, I do. Uh, Yeah, so uh, it's very interesting because I was cast in Married to the Mob and uh, um, Three Men and a Baby virtually at the same time. And... uh, they're polar opposites. I mean, one, I'm playing the the virtuous, good mother who has this baby out of wedlock, okay, but right. so good and good-hearted and right. wants to be reunited with the family. And right. the other one, I am a Long Island hooker uh, who <laughs> um, is, my whole part is basically naked. Right. <laughs> so, And my husband now likes to say that anybody who rents that film back when there was VHS, there's a part that's erased from, from <laughs> how many adolescent boys I brought into <laughs> adulthood. But, uh, uh, yeah, so that was one of those, another situation, another classic Hollywood story where uh, I'm right out of acting school. And I I fully believe that you do everything you need to do for the part, and it's all for the character. And uh, the director, Jonathan Demme, said, I really think that for for reality's sake, you should be completely naked for this scene in this bedroom <laughs> with Dean Stockwell, who right. is, was uh, playing my my... You know. He was dressed, as I Okay, recall. so, right. I am completely <laughs> naked, and I said, can I just stand behind a potted plant or something? <laughs> I mean, completely naked, and uh, come to the time to shoot the scene, and Dean Stockwell is not only wearing underwear, but he's wearing pants and a shirt and a vest and an overcoat and a hat and gloves <laughs> and everything and has an umbrella. And that's – so what's wrong with this picture? But uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you did Internal Affairs, which is a, a really good, scary movie. And probably the scene that everybody remembers the most involves you – and you're in a restaurant, and Andy Garcia, who's your husband, comes to you. Richard Gere starred in it. Scary, scary Wonderful. Movie. He was yeah, terrific. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's a very disturbing scene where, um, like in front of everybody in the restaurant, uh, he just, you know, <laughs> gives you a haymaker. I mean, mm-hmm. he just really... Now, was there a stunt double there, or did you did you go fly? I mean, because you go flying in that yeah, scene. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember there being a stunt double. It's funny. 
how much goes out of your head. Maybe maybe <laughs> that's that's why I don't remember is because I went flying. Uh, no, I don't remember, but I do remember. I we had a great time on that movie. I have to say, and it was one of those to me. I read the script and I thought, wow, this is not that wonderful. But uh, Mike Figgis was the director, and he really created the story about these two cops and. Uh, I loved working with Andy Garcia and we really had a great connection and uh, a great trust. So uh, I don't remember having a stunt double and I think, you know, but for those kinds of things, they, they, the way they shoot it and there's mattresses all around and there's some right. big burly guy that says, don't worry, I'll catch you. Uh -huh. And they don't, but <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, then you like had a string of movies, uh, and most of them were not comedies. Um, you know, uh, The Vanishing, which was, you know, again, another scary movie, and, you know, Jack Bauer is trying to kill you. And, you right. Know, <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, and uh, you Chaplin and Air America, um, So I Married an Axe Murder. When um, we... By we, me, David Isaacs, and Robin Schiff, it's 1995, and we came up with the idea for Almost Perfect. And um, we wrote it originally picturing like Elizabeth Perkins. Mm -hmm. That was kind of our prototype. And, um, and when we were in the process of casting, someone brought up your name, and we thought, wow, that's that's really interesting. But can't she do comedy? <laughs> because, you know, we were just used to seeing you get, you know, cuffed around by Andy Garcia mm -hmm. or, you know, chased through the woods by Kiefer Sutherland. And so then we saw So I Married an Axe Murder and we said, well, she's funnier than Michael Myers, but we still <laughs> don't. And I love you for that. <laughs> but we still don't really know. And at the time, you know, you're a big movie star, so, um, you know, you can't ask a movie star to read for a TV series, at least back then. Uh, but we were able to take a meeting with you, and so we were just chit-chatting and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that, and just based on the, the meeting, we went, I, I don't know, seems okay to us i don't know <laughs> you know you were just being you um and so we said okay on our end now for you what was going through your mind on the other side because you know you're thinking okay i'm gonna have to take a big right turn in my career mm -hmm. in order to commit to this what are sort of the some of the things that were going through your mind in trying to make that decision it, it's interesting you say that. First of all, I just want to make a comment about Elizabeth Perkins, who I'm, I'm friends with. But mm -hmm. uh, it, she and I have been kind of tracking each other and mirroring each other throughout our entire careers right. to this day. Uh -huh. And uh, early, early in my career, one of my very first jobs, uh, I was her understudy on the national tour of Brighton Beach Memoirs. Wow. Right. So, <laughs> so it all just kind of – and yeah. So um, – uh, but at that time, and I don't think it's this way, certainly not anymore, but when you, when an actor left filmmaking, left making movies to going to TV, it was right. thought of as a big concession, a big, oh boy, it's really dried up. Right. And I remember being counseled, my, my manager at the time, and I was looking for parts and it was feeling like, 
uh, gosh, I'm not really getting offered anything that's really wonderful and I want to work and I want to work and where is it, where is it, where is it? And uh, my manager at the time said, well, I just read this this sitcom. Are you interested in doing a sitcom? I was like, no way! Oh, God, no! (laughs) (laughs) You mean it's over? (laughs) 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 So... uh, she, I said, let me look at it. Fine, let me look at it. And and uh, I loved it. It was really funny. And it's rare, uh, frankly, uh, that you read something and you find yourself laughing out loud. I mean, sometimes you'll think, oh, this is humorous. This amuses me. But it, I, I really laughed out loud and loved it. So uh, so I was excited about it. And then, of course, when I met you guys, it was it was great. It was really great. So Yeah, well, so... so everything works out. We hire Nancy and we're still in the process of casting and we needed to find the boyfriend and we needed to make sure that there was good chemistry between <laughs> you two. So when we had our callbacks and we had uh, uh, like three or four candidates and then we asked you to come in, would you read with them so that we can get a sense of the, um, of the chemistry and so you already had the job, so you know you weren't auditioning for anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, I remember thinking we all did that. Wow, she is fantastic. <laughs> she is so much better than we thought she would be. You are going you know, down a dangerous road. You know, like oh my god! But that was the good news. But the bad news is you blew all those guys uh-huh. out of the water, and it's like oh god, we got to start from from square one now. But you know, we were we were incredibly impressed, and boy, Thank we you. we nice. put you through the ringer too, because you know we had physical comedy and I monologues and farce, and you know. Well, I did want to talk to you. Take this opportunity to ask if you would consider doing a revival, since that seems to be you know, in vogue right now. Um, <laughs> you know, I would love to. I would absolutely love to. And I'm sure my partners would too. Sure. So it's um, so. I mean, it is kind of crazy what's happening. Yeah, with but, all the reboots. Uh, yeah, and, and what a small world. I mean, I'm working with Lisa Edelstein right now, who is uh, in Almost Perfect. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's just like six degrees of separation. The woman who did the costumes, Jill Motor, the woman who does my makeup, is very close. And so it all just keeps coming up. And uh, and I I literally because I was just doing Last Man Standing, and that was. Uh, abruptly canceled for whatever reasons, and now Roseanne is this big hit, and so who knows what's percolating out there? But then I thought, my gosh, the show that I really, really enjoyed that was so shortchanged was almost perfect. Yeah, um, yeah. Les Moonves uh, told me that it was the best show he ever canceled. Thank you, Les. Thank you. Yeah. Yes, I thank you too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was a, a, a really great experience, and. Um, Okay, I don't want to embarrass you here, but, you know, the star really sets the tone on the, on the set of, of one of these shows. And uh, we had a particularly tough episode where your character, who worked on a, on a cop show, got a chance to direct her first episode. So it was a very complicated show because we had all of these mishaps built in and it involved special effects and fire and all kinds of things. So we knew on filming night that after we let the audience go that it was going to be a late night, a lot of pickups. 
And and I got to tell you, a lot of stars would be getting really cranky at about yeah. eleven o'clock, going, "Really, do we need this? Okay, isn't this good enough? What you know?" And uh, you were like a cheerleader. Uh, you were like, you know, come on, everybody, this is fun. Let's do this. And uh, it just it made it so much easier. And David and Robin and I were like, oh, my God, she's a goddess. Oh, she thank is you. absolutely a Well, goddess. I had a lot more energy back then, so. <laughs> <laughs> so did we. Uh, yes. <laughs> so did we. Yeah. I, worked... I remember that. Was that in the restaurant? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I remember that very well. Yeah, that was very involved and complicated. Yeah, it came out great, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, you know, it's easy for us to sit and write it, you know, David and Robin and I wrote an episode. We said, wouldn't it be funny if there was like this giant pie fight? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wouldn't that be funny? Sure. So we just type it in. It takes 15 seconds to write, you know. I always wonder how, what happens in that room, in that writer's room, cone of silence. Uh, It is like a, uh, like a KGB meeting room because whatever uh goes on in there is not supposed to come out. And we actors, especially on a sitcom, you're usually getting the script the night before you start rehearsing it. So you don't really know what's happening. Right. <laughs> Sometimes you'll get something and say, oh, okay, did you see the new script? Pie fight? What yeah. the hell? What? <laughs> <laughs> Take yeah. my clothes off with a guy who's fully dressed. What? <laughs> you know, David and I were writing an episode of Cheers once, and uh, we were sitting in the office, the two of us, and I don't know how we got on the subject of uh, junk food and hostess cupcakes and hostess snowballs, and we were saying... Ah, Wonder can anybody like eat a host of snowball all in one bite? <laughs> and I said, nah, let's let's find out. And we put in the script that Woody eats a host of snowball in one bite. Oh man. And um and he did it. <laughs> we're standing on the stage, we're going, Okay, yeah, I guess, I guess you can. You know, but that's the kind of That's great. I bet you got suit. that idea. I I did a number of hostess commercials. Did you way back when Oh god. And I too can put <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I happen to have one right here. Oh, if only people could see. <laughs> uh I worked with you again on Becker and um and that was a tough assignment for you because you replaced a character mm-hmm. who had been on the show for uh, a number of years. And so that's it, kind of like, you know, the Deborah Norville replacing Jane uh, Polly on, on the Today Show. Mm-hmm. And I always felt kind of bad for you because I thought you were great on that show. You had a great chemistry with Ted. But I never thought that you got the accolades you should have. Oh, that's sweet. Because, you know, well, you came in under those rather unusual circumstances. Uh, the person I replaced was, I, I soon grew to understand, was, was rather beloved by... Yeah, Terry Farrell. Yeah, uh-huh. by the viewers. And, and to her credit, she was, uh, she was so nice to me and so kind. And we were friends. I, she had a baby not long after and invited me to her baby shower. Uh-huh. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's, it's always awkward, especially when... Uh, you sort of come in and you're you're a new character, but you're doing a lot of the stuff, same stuff as the old character. Right, right. Uh, but, you know, this is, you know, you did that that whole blog piece. I mean, it's it's definitely the way things go. This is kind of, and, and no sooner are you on that end of the spectrum than, than you're the person being replaced. So it, it just kind of, it spins. Right, and, 
Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I mean, there's times when yeah. you're really hot, and then there's other times when we'll pitch something and they'll say no, and somebody else will come in and pitch it five minutes later, and they'll say yes, and you go, "Wait, what?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I find that too on a set. Whereas I'll say something and they'll say, "No, no, shush, shush, shush. no, wait a minute," and then somebody else, a guy usually, will say uh-huh. <laughs> the exact same thing, <laughs> and it's a, a brilliant idea, but. <laughs> It's uh, it's an interesting world. It's it's like actors too are are uh, hyenas in a pit, and uh, they're not fed, and they're just waiting for a scrap. So we all know that that everybody needs to eat. <laughs> <laughs> you did the Bill Engvall show, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I only work with older comedians. By the way, just I want to put that out there. And if you're a comedian and you're a guy and you're looking for okay, a now wife, you, you realize if Chip Zion is listening to this, you I, know he's going to have an anxiety I'm attack. Available. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but um, to me, you know, you played his wife in the show, and to me, as a writer, it has always felt that the the role of the TV mother wife on a sitcom tends to be a thankless role. It's a hard role to write, and I'm sure it's a difficult role to play because you're always the voice of reason. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, there's the crazy comic, and you're the one telling Tim Allen and Ray Romano and Kevin James and Jim Belushi that, no, you can't sell the kid for whiskey, you know. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's like you're the, the oh, killjoy. Oh, honey. Oh, but I still love you. <laughs> right. And can I please have a joke anywhere? Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, that, must be, that must be tough to, to play those roles. Yeah, it's tough. It, it, I mean, and just in the sense that it's it's a little thankless and you're always kind of looking for more. Can I have the the one episode where I get to be the screwball comedian? Right, you know? right. Um, but by the same token, it's it's a steady gig and the, the paycheck's clear and it's uh, – it's good in that sense. And and also I have to where credit's due. I've worked with um some some really talented people that I've learned a lot from, especially in terms of comedy. So mm-hmm. so that's been a good thing as well. And Jennifer Lawrence was on that show, right? Yes. Yes. You know? Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, you see that and you go, "Oh, I I I could tell there was like star quality or are you going um great." <laughs> well, I do have to say, I mean, I think it's the latter. She, first of all, she's stunning and beautiful, and she was then. And right. she uh, always exuded a, a very sexy appeal. Um, and she, to her credit, she was always very single-minded. She knew exactly what she wanted, and she knew what her strengths were and how to uh, to to perform to that. And I think she's done, I mean, obviously, incredibly well. And probably she would have been, you, you could see it. You could see it happening. And, and people that would come, like, agents flock to the set. Even my own agent. Uh, uh, can you? <laughs> <laughs> you never see. My own agent like, can you introduce me to Jennifer? Can you? Yeah, but do you have anything for me? I mean, I'm here. I'm the wife. I don't even get a joke. I mean, come on. What do you have? Uh, but, yeah, that was, that was a no-brainer about her. And Last Man Standing, which lasted quite a few episodes. Six years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was that a fun experience? That was fun, yeah. I love working with Tim Allen. I thought he was uh, he was gracious, and he. Uh, I did learn a lot from him when I say about learning from somebody. Uh, uh-huh. And 
uh, he he cared about the show in its entirety. So uh, those sort of thoughts of let's he was very gracious in terms of let's expand some of these other characters. Let's hear some of their stories. Don't make it just about me, as it were. But and it had quite a following. I mean, it really kind of tapped into a vein in this country that that I guess a lot of other shows are not. So. I was really surprised mm-hmm. when they canceled it. So and, were we. <laughs> and, and I bet with the success of the Roseanne reboot that ABC is probably saying, oh, what did we do? Huh? I don't know. Like I said, you never know what goes on in those rooms. Uh, but... It was surprising because that season particularly, we had our best ratings ever. We had a huge audience. I think it was at least 8 million people a show, which uh-huh. is good for Friday night. Yeah. Uh, and we thought of all – we spent the past five years saying, oh, this is it. We're not going to get – we're not going to get beyond the first year. We're not even going to get a pickup from the first – this is it, this is it, this is it. And then and – then, I mean, this should have been the telltale sign. The Finally, the season that we say, oh, this is a slam dunk, is when we were... Right. And, and I think, too, the, the part that hurts is it was just very unceremonious. And, and again, we're in this business. This is how it goes. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> excuse me. I have to say, too, when we were canceled for Almost Perfect, it was a similar sort of, uh, don't leave the set. Somebody's coming down to talk to you. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Just don't worry. The uh, the head of the studio is just coming down for a chat. And we're all like, oh, shit. This is here. Here we go. Oh, uh, well, yeah. that, <laughs> yeah. Hey, let me tell that story. Yes, that, 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 that is a that, wonderful that was story. A, that was a great story. Um, the president of Paramount Television at the time was a gentleman named Gary Hart, and He's a wonderful guy, and he is—he has a lot more humanity than most people in that job. We were on the air for the second season, and um, we premiered like Wednesday nights at eight thirty, and we were winning our time slot. And then they shifted us and put us on uh, after this horrible new show called Public Morals, which was so bad and the ratings were so bad that they canceled it after one episode. Okay. But our numbers went way down as a result. So the day after it aired that Thursday, uh, we look at the numbers and we're going, oh my God, this is, this is just terrible. And I remember I was directing that, that week too. And we called Gary Hart, the president of the network at president's studio and we said um could you do us a favor because poor cast is just bouncing off the walls could you come down and mm-hmm. just sort of reassure them that <laughs> nothing has been settled yet and um you know we're in there fighting for you etc cetera, etc cetera. and he said sure i'd be happy to do it and i said well why don't you come down like at four o'clock you know right before run through so Gary comes down and assembles the whole cast together and he starts talking about it and he starts crying. Remember? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I do. We're all like, what's happening? He's like crying. We love the show and we're going to keep fighting for it and you guys are great. And, you know, and okay, thank you very much for our inspirational talk. Let's set for run through. Yes. <laughs> and then we had to do a run through. And uh, we were canceled over the weekend, mm-hmm. over the phone. Mm-hmm. You know that that. But we it. were allowed to shoot that, that episode that we were in the middle of, right? 
yes. which we shot that that Tuesday night, mm-hmm. and um, and I remember giving you guys a pep talk before the the shooting, basically saying, "Look, you all got into this because you wanted to act and the joy of acting and everything." Just like. You know, tap into that. Mm-hmm. Tap into that. You guys it, did a great job. That was a very funny episode, yes, by the way. It is like a death, though. I remember I basically had a shiva at my house. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, so, so did we for like yeah. months. Yeah, it was. And and it's a testament, too, to you guys because we all got so very close in, what, what did we do, a year and a half of that yeah. show? Yeah, yeah. And we were all episodes. very close. And it was uh, stunning. I mean, it really, yeah. Yeah. No, that, that one still hurts to this day. It and it does. also bothers me, why is it not on Netflix? There's 34 episodes, and I have called... Maybe they can't afford it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here's the weird thing. It is on, in Netflix, Europe. Oh. Yeah. Huh. So you figure, well, wait a minute. If they've done all the work to digitize the episodes and write the blurbs for the episodes, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, why can't it be hmm. here, too? You know, and I've made a couple of calls because, you know, I do. I I love that show. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your acting process. Um, Do you have a specific process? You know, there's Meisner and there's Method and this and that. Uh, Uh, Do you have an acting process? I, you know, at this point, I I think I just have my own process. It's, it, um, and... It's interesting the things that I automatically do and know to do and the things that I will forget, like some basic things that another actor will say, well, uh, you know, you're walking in the room, but it's cold outside and you're you're not acting like it's cold. It's like, oh, uh-huh. okay, acting 101, sorry. Right. Uh, but I find, too, that, that a lot of it and um, is just listening. I mean, really just listening. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there's homework and why you're doing what you're doing and uh, uh, what your feelings are to things. But but a lot of it too is if you um, and, and but sitcoms are different because there's a rhythm to it and there's mm-hmm. a it's it's like a there's a musicality to it. So that's something else. But um, but a lot of it is just really listening and having an opinion about what you're listening to. One thing about multi-camera shows is that the scripts change day after day, and sometimes they change considerably. Um, And I'm always fascinated by how different actors memorize, and you have to do an awful lot of memorization because they're, you know, every week it's 22 minutes of of memorization and speeches and and whatnot. Um, How do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the older I get, the more jumbled it gets in my brain, and Uh maybe we don't want to talk about that. (laughs) But... uh, I think that you just you pick it up off the page, and uh, some the harder things to remember are things that don't make sense to you. Like if I had to give a speech in a foreign language, right. I mean, that would be very difficult to do. Or sometimes legal jargon is very difficult because you're not you don't understand the words really. Right. Uh, but but a lot of times it's, it comes because you are responding to what somebody else is saying, so it, it makes sense. And sometimes. Uh, because you want to be precise, and, and different directors and writers have different feelings about how precise they want their words. But uh, sometimes I just remember it, like I'll have to say, okay, this list is uh, W W L Z, whole, lake, 
zealot, you know, and, and uh-huh. that's, so that's how I remember the words. Here it comes, here comes that line, W-L-Z, and the whole leg's out. So, uh-huh. um, it, yeah, but a lot of times it's repetition, and a lot of times it just plain makes sense. And, by the way, I can remember all of that stuff, and sometimes I just see it on the page, like, oh, here we are, I'm at the middle of the page. Oh, so you kind of have a photographic memory. A little then. bit, a yeah. little bit. But... It goes out of my head. We you yell cut, rap, we're done for the night. I don't remember. I was a gonna thing. say that's a trick that <laughs> that you have to learn. Otherwise, it yeah. goes right out, and and we'll say, oh, do you remember that episode that we did? When it, like even the fact that you're talking about this almost perfect episode, I remember just that little. I could I could tell you nothing else about the right. the other <laughs> forty or so episodes we did. <laughs> um, obviously, there are times you get scripts. And there are things where you're going, oh, boy, I hate this. Or, uh, mm-hmm. boy, I, I really don't think my character would would say this. Or, gee, this is really kind of insensitive. Um, how do you approach talking to the writers? It depends upon what my position of power is in the production. Right. Uh, sometimes I don't at all. And I just figure out how to have it make sense and... And just hope nobody sees it. Right, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> and uh, and sometimes I can just, you know, I, I think it's somebody's work, so you have to delicately handle things. And usually right. people are are uh, receptive, especially if something is offensive to say. Uh, but sometimes you just have to lump it and just do it. I mean, sometimes people are saying, "No, this is how I wrote it, and this is what I want, and this is how it's going to be," and and you just kind of have it just figure out a way to have it make sense to you figure out a way to say it so it is not so jarring um and in the meantime i mean i just had a script that i read and i thought oh my god this this scene is just so badly written and the the character the the writer uh, and also on series there are usually a number of different writers that write the episodes right um but it's the showrunner who basically makes those decisions yeah makes the call right um uh and and luckily it was changed before I even had to say anything. But particularly for a, a sitcom or a half hour, you go in and you do a table read and you do that for the writers and then they go off and do their changes and then you come back and you rehearse what the changes are and it just goes on like that until you shoot whatever the final script is with changes happening even as you're shooting, as you know. Yes. Um, and and I know for almost perfect. I mean, I marched into that writer's room a few times and said, "What about this? What about that?" And you guys were always really receptive. And and maybe I left, and you're like, oh, "Jesus, just no, you know. <laughs> no, no." You you were you were very respectful, and um, and damn it, you were you know right on those <laughs> occasions. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so uh, no, and and it was look, it was important for us. To create an atmosphere where everybody feels that they could collaborate, mm-hmm. you know, so that that everybody felt uh, invested in the job and and in the product, mm-hmm. and and we rewrote a lot anyway. So yeah. you know it, you know, we I'm, were we were tougher on the material than you guys were. I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sometimes uh, sometimes I'll make a suggestion and you could see light bulbs go off and go, oh, oh, that's interesting. Okay, yeah, sure, that's good. And sometimes I'll make a suggestion and you'll see just dead eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Please go back to your acting pit and wait with the other hyenas. Yeah. 
and likewise, there are times when uh, the script doesn't work and there'll be a bad run-through and the writers come down for the run-through and all of the actors are looking at us like we killed their puppies. <laughs> you know, there's that look where you're just going, oh, God, uh, you know, roll up the sleeping bags. We're going to be here a long time tonight. <laughs> well, there's also when the actors are on stage rehearsing and we're rehearsing it and saying, oh, my God, this is such a stinker. This is so bad. This is awful. And the director is saying, you just have to do it. Just do it and get through it and they they'll see it. it. They'll see yeah. it. And we'll do it and try to kill it in the performance. And sure enough, the feedback comes back. They loved it. They were laughing hysterically. Not a single change. Yeah. This is what we're shooting. And I'm thinking, okay, well, all right. Well, there you go. Yeah. We're <laughs> well, guns for hire. So <clears throat> Now you're on the, the Kaminsky method. Kaminsky, yes. Kaminsky method uh, on, uh, on Netflix. And... Um, you star in that with Michael Douglas, right? Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin. Wow. And Lisa's in it as well. All right. Uh, and it's a Chuck Lorre show and uh, a comedy. And uh, we're in the Single middle of camera shooting. or Single camera. camera? Single camera, half hour. Uh-huh. And it's about a man, Sandy Kaminsky, who is Michael Douglas. And he is an acting teacher, a renowned acting teacher, and teaches uh, in his own studio and has even devised his own method. And Alan Arkin plays his best friend slash agent. And it's about the two of them, basically, and their friendship. And I play <clears throat> an older woman who is divorced with a grown son who takes the acting class and meets Sandy Kaminsky. And uh, we have a little relationship and, you know, take it from there. Okay, well... I'll find out Again, what happens when I get the next script. <laughs> six degrees of separation. Uh, David and I did a big rewrite on Jewel of the Nile, working with Michael Douglas. Mm -hmm. So when you see him again, say that uh, Ken Levine says hello. And if he goes, Ken, great, how is he, et cetera, then, uh, then we'll know he's a good actor, that he remembers me. Okay. He, you know, I will, yeah, I will. Yeah. If I see he him was... again, I may get a call saying, just stay at home. <laughs> the <laughs> and the director wants to talk to you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, one of the things uh, about you in closing is that um, you seem to be the most, stable down to earth <laughs> actress i know you've been married to the same person for you know many years still have, have the same kids still have the same kids have have, have mm. two great kids mm, thanks and you know it's like i you know i would see you from time to time you know um you know, pulling carpool duty and uh you know going to t-ball games and mm. and well stuff i guessed like it up for you today so uh <laughs> You're right, down to earth, yes. <laughs> anyway, um, loved working with you. And um, it's just such a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you. Thanks so much, Ken. Okay, that, by the way, is the real Nancy Travis. I mean, she's just a lot of fun. Great guest. And again, thanks to Nancy for coming on with me. Also, thanks to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, John Wolford, Howard Hoffman, and Randy Thomas. You can follow me on Twitter, at Ken Levine. And if you have any comments or questions, you want to get in touch with me for any reason, HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com is my email address. HollywoodLevine at Outlook.com. And again, I shamelessly have to plug this. Uh, I would love a five-star review. Thanks so much. We will see you again next week. Bye-bye.
Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.